of great places to worship and to fellowship in, in San Angelo. A lot of wonderful churches, and so we're so grateful that you chose to come and connect with us. And we pray that this time that you spend with us will help you to grow in what is our core focus, to know God better and to trust Him more. And as we are looking at this, we're kicking off a new series, like I said, called Untroubled. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things, it's amazing how you're getting ready to deal with being untroubled. And, man, we just started out the morning with trouble. We're obviously, we're a portable church. Meet in a movie theater. You know, so for some reason, they have a hard time with us just leaving this up here. It's not in anybody's way. You can still sit and watch the movie. But they just have a hard time with it, man. It'd make our life easy if everybody just let us leave this stuff here. But we put it up, and there's some of it they let us leave here. So we have a couple of closets that we have a trailer. We haul stuff away. But we have a closet. And this morning we went to go get stuff out of our closet. And somehow stuff was gone. It was a little upsetting. We're missing a speaker and a soundboard and and a projector and something else. TV. And uh, just some stuff vanished on us. And uh, so as we're sitting there going, it's initially able to get immediately frustrated and immediately upset and a cool thing is is if this is your first time here you have no idea anything's missing because over to everything there was just we're just able to piece it together and make it happen this morning and our team stepped into this beautiful place of just being untroubled and you're saying you know what we're here it's not about the stuff it's not about the technology we're here to worship god and to love on each other and we're going to do that no matter what's here or what's not here and that's that <coughs> that thing of living an untroubled life. It doesn't mean that there's not trouble. It's mean that the trouble doesn't have any rule over you. I guarantee we could poll everybody in this room, and if I was to ask you, did you have trouble this week of some kind? Every hand would go up. Now, I'll tell you what, I did. My vehicle's been acting up. My Suburban, it's been just being a boogerhead. You couldn't figure out what was going on. I said, they're driving, it's driving great. And all of a sudden, whoop, it's power gone. That's right. Totally gone. That's awesome. You can do that all day. And uh, I import some cute factor. And um, it was just gone. And uh, the, uh, as we were driving, it, just, it would just do that. It was just completely random. So finally, I took it to the place that should know. So they're going to hook it up to a little machine, do their thing. Drop it off first thing in the morning. Finally hear them later in the afternoon. And there is, they have no idea what's going on. I said, we got it to do. We got it to do it one time, but can't get it to do it again. They have it the next day. Can't do it. Still can't figure it out. Have it a third day. Still can't figure it out. I'm like, okay, now my trouble is having trouble. There's other people having trouble with my trouble. It's amazing how trouble can compound. It's amazing how trouble can build on itself. And that's why we find ourselves massively frustrated whenever we get into this place where all of a sudden we see trouble coming along because we're ingrained to all of a sudden see it just turn into this whirlwind in our lives can rob peace and can do all so we are going to be looking at what it means to live untroubled life in a troubled world just go ahead and open your notes 
It opened, we were going to kick off with this concept that in Christ, we can live untroubled in the middle of a troubled world. I think everybody, I don't care what your view on life is, most of us would look at news, look at different things, current events, and say, man, our world's in trouble. Some of us would dial it closer and say, man, our country is in trouble. Some of us would dial those boundaries a little tighter and say, man, our state, our city is having trouble. My family's having trouble. I have trouble. Everywhere we look, there's this place, and it can just become overwhelming. It can just become where it just totally, totally frustrates us. We're about to look at a passage of Scripture, and we're going to be keying off of this on many, many different times. But we had a young lady. In fact, she was up here singing. Just a minute ago, let's let our first song today, Bethany Collins, and she wrote this week for our church blog. And uh, that's right, a young lady in high school wrote for our church blog. Why? Because we dare to believe that every believer can read the Bible and the Holy Spirit speak to them. Oh, crazy, crazy thoughts that you can read the Bible and the Holy Spirit can speak to you. It doesn't have to be somebody that's gone to Bible school or clergy or has some title after their name. That the Holy Spirit lives in you and if you've had new life come upon you. So as we do that, and I, I encourage you, if you're not already checking out our website or checking out our Facebook page, we daily have our blog post and we create a book every year. We're working on our fourth book together. It's an amazing thing. Well, Bethany wrote for yesterday. And I'm just going to just read directly quote out of her blog. It says, trying to share my faith is one of the most fluent actions I can perform. She has no problem with it. Be able to share. Bethany's always been bold, always been very open about, about her faith and what God is doing in her, doing in her life. <clears throat> but that quote carries on. It says, until a certain question comes up. She has no problem talking about her faith until this one question comes up. It says, if God is so good, why does he let bad things happen? That's a question. How many of us have faced it in our own lives? How many of you have begun to try to share the goodness of God? And somebody's retort is their own trouble, suffering, and heartache, or worse, a loved one's trouble, suffering, and heartache. Like I hear about this good God and you talk about this guy that created everything and he's big and he's powerful and I see this suffering every day. And I'm just having a hard time making it click. I'm just having a hard time with my own experience coming together with what you say is there. And even to a certain degree what my heart longs to be there. There's even a place where I say, yes, it's true, but my mind is still having these issues. And so today, as we're going to about to delve into this concept of living untroubled in a troubled world, we're going to answer the first question of why trouble at all. Why don't we deal with trouble? We understand that God's a good God. You've been at Celebration Church any length of time. You've heard about how much God loves us. We sang about it today. Oh, He loves us so so then we deal with the pain, and then we deal with the suffering, and then we deal with all this stuff. And we're like, ugh. How do we bring this together? We're going to start by going to the Bible. 
John chapter 16, and we're going to get verse 30, and we're going to read through chapter 17, verse 3. And yes, it's legal to do that. It's legal to go from one chapter to another. It wasn't originally chaptered all together. It was one thought flow. Okay? It wasn't broken up. Okay? So now we can see that you know all things. These are the disciples speaking to Jesus. Now we can see that you know all things. You do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. And Jesus said, do you now believe? Jesus replied, a time is coming and in fact has come when you will be scattered and each of you to your own home. You will leave me all alone. Yet I'm not alone for my Father is with me. I've told you these things so so that in me... You may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. Man, that's not a a quote of Jesus. We get up every morning and go, Woohoo! In this world, I'm going to have some trouble. Jesus promised it. I'm hanging on to that one. Nope. What we hang on to is that he didn't stop speaking right there. He didn't put, he didn't drop the mic and walk off the world stage with that one. He said, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Why can we step into this place? Why can we step in this place of taking heart, of being encouraged, of, of seeing the trouble in the world? He didn't tell us to stick our head in the sand. He didn't tell us to deny that it was there. He didn't even tell us we had to, be the, had to go out and do it. He says, take heart. You can be cur- courageous. You can have some joy. You can have some peace. Why? Because I have overcome the world. I've done it. I'm not telling you, oh, take heart. You can go do it. This isn't the, the coach on the sideline pep rally saying, boys, you can go out there and do it. The coach isn't allowed on the field. He can't suit up and go make the tackles and make the catches and run the ball. He's not allowed to. But praise God, Jesus did that for us. Jesus suited up, called the earth suit, a man suit, put on flesh and blood. Came to this planet, got in the middle of our mess. Jesus took care of all of it. Ran every play that needed to be run, scored everything that needed to be scored. And we, whenever we say, you know what, we align with you, we immediately step on to that winning team. Not because we've done, but because he has. says, take heart, I've overcome. I've overcome the world. Then we go directly into chapter 17. After Jesus said this, same thought flow, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he may give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life. He is talking to his daddy. He's having a conversation. He is praying. The disciples are overhearing this. And Jesus is making a defining statement for his disciples. He could say that eternal life comes sometime down the road. But no, he says this. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life. That's why as soon as we step over from death to life, we begin living eternal life now. 
at some point this body is done. But it's not eternal life begins for the believer on the other side of death. We begin to have it in its fullness without the restrictions of this physical body. But it begins for us as soon as we place our faith in Christ and we begin to know him and trust him. That is what eternal life is all about. The rest of chapter 17 is an amazing prayer and I suggest you spend some time reading on it and looking at it. In fact, my son is <coughs> keen and he's going to be preaching in Big Lake for the Saw You at the Pole rally, rally for the City and he's going to be preaching on the rest of 17 and it is so, so rich. And at the beginning of 18, it's one big thought flow. At the beginning of 18... Jesus is betrayed there in the garden with Judas. And all those last few little bit, these are his last thoughts. These are his last moments, the last things he is saying before everything begins with him going to the whipping post and, and having the mock trial and then ending up being nailed to a cross and dying for our sins and risen from the grave, praise God. This are his final things on his mind. For us to take heart because he's overcome. And that this is eternal life. That we would know him. Like Brandon, what in the world does this have to do with where's junk come from? Trouble come from? Well, we've got to understand original purpose. We've got to understand the big plan of God. You have to look at it from his perspective or you miss it. Because we tend to look at our lives from our own tiny perspective. And we get wound up in them and we miss the big plan. So we're going to take a very quick journey from Genesis to now to what God's doing in your life today because we have to understand this truth that we were created to know God and never experience evil that's why we were created we were created to know him and never experience evil ever when he created humanity they're in creation and he creates the world creates the land creates animals and the grasses and the trees and all that and finally on the sixth day he creates humanity and says it's very good created the world for us to live in and then places us in it and connects with humanity like he did nobody else creates him and breathes his own breath into us making us alive making us in his image separate from all the rest of creation and created us to be in relationship with him and never know evil. Let's look at Genesis 2.15. It says, The Lord took the man and put him in the garden to work it and to take care of it. Work is not trouble. It is not. It's not part of the curse. It's not difficult the the ground fighting back that's part of the curse the thorns and the thistles and all this kind of stuff but just work we were created to create we were created to be productive we were created to be able to to do things it says and the lord commanded the man you are free to eat from any tree in the garden But you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Eat from all of them. There's the tree of life. Have at that. There's the tree of everything else that's good for food. All of that. Have at that. But don't eat this one. Stay in this place. Now, evil exists. 
evil exists at this time. Evil didn't all of a sudden be created as soon as they ate the fruit. Satan had already fallen. There's already been the, the, the division and rebellion in the heavenlies. And God has created this humanity to connect with. Different than the angels. Part of the angels already rejected him. God created humanity to connect with on a special level. And here they are. And he says, don't do that. Don't mess with it. And then here we are, and there's something we need to, to pinpoint here. We're going to pinpoint Genesis 2.25. It says, and Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. There was no shame at all. There was no sense of anything. They're, they're, they did not need any clothes. And some people say it was because they were clothed with the glory of God. It don't say that. They're naked. Good old West Texas naked. But they felt no shame. Why? Because they had no sense, no understanding of any evil use of the naked form. They had no understanding of it. So there's no shame. There's no, there's no shame with it if there's no understanding of it. Now let's jump down to Genesis 3. It says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, You may not eat from the tree. <clears throat> you may eat from the tree. Ah, you may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. But God did say, You must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Now watch this. And you must not touch it. We just read what God told Adam. Did he say not to touch it? He said, don't eat it. He didn't say not to touch it. They could have used them as baseballs. They could have thrown them around the place. They could have sat under the shade of it. Simply said, don't eat it. The scriptures don't say this. Eve could have put that in on her own. Or Adam could have added to it. Because Adam's the one that God had the conversation with. He says, you know, we better not eat that. He said, mm, and, and just don't even touch it. Let's, let's just carry this an extra step. Honestly, if we think about this for just a minute, this would be a message all by itself. But how many things do we as believers, we strap unnecessary things on being so afraid people are going to go too far with it? We put unnecessary restrictions, unnecessary things, and they become a lie. First piece of the lie that Eve believed came out of her own mouth was that she wasn't supposed to touch it. She was already set up for wrong believing because somehow that got put in her head. It says you will certainly, uh, you will not, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now here's the big, here's the big moment. They've not eaten of the knowledge of good and evil. They've not eaten of that. They have God's word that has said, don't or you'll die. They have this other, the serpent, the enemy, Satan, saying, yes, you can at this point, there are two choices. You can choose which one am I going to believe? 
Now, all of their experience with God lines up with them choosing what God says. They've lived a great life. God's only been good to them. God's only taken care of them. God has held nothing back from them. They've been in the very presence of God, where we all long to be. They've been there. All of their experience, they've never seen suffering on television. They've never seen any kind of pain and disease or anything. They don't have any knowledge at all of anything bad and have only knowledge of good and blessing, which is where they had left. Why? Because they were created to know God and to never know evil. But humanity's always had a choice. That's what makes us able to love. It's always had a choice. And for some reason, Eve makes a decision that you know what? This looks pretty good. It looks pretty tasty. Maybe God is holding something out and there's no experience, knowledge to back that up at all. Okay? And you and I that have been in church for a while, we understand that if we take something simply based, if we take God simply based on his word and don't have any of this experience thing to back it up, like, God, I'm just going to trust you. What do we call that? We call that faith. We call it faith. Eve had nothing to back it up and took the enemy at his word. And reached out and put everything on the line based on that. Is that or is that not an act of faith? By our definition of faith, it's an act of faith. And by faith, she stepped out. Grabbed a hold of that piece of fruit. When she touched it, nothing happened. Which immediately told her, "Mm, maybe this is okay. She did a little. Nothing happened. Wow, that was her lie. Then she decides to go ahead and go in. Bites it, hands it off to Adam. And by faith, stepped over from life to death. Trusting in something she had no experience in, based solely on somebody's word. She steps over from life into death. It says, when the woman saw the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened. Why? Because they had an understanding of good and evil. All of a sudden, they have an understanding of both. It's not that they're good escaped and they just no longer can see, but, but now they can see the evil part too. They can see the evil intents. And they realized that they were naked. All of a sudden, it becomes a big deal. There's nobody else on the planet. It's not, we don't sit there and have Adam and then his second cousin Tom and he's hiding around the tree going, ooh, he's looking pretty good today. There's nobody else there. There's no reason for the old cover-up move. There's no reason for it. The only thing that forces it is their awareness of the evil use of the naked human form. God created people without clothes. He created us to live in a place that there is no shame. 
He created a place to live and a place that's only good. When all this other stuff comes in, then all of the other ramifications and the, and the stuff are <clears throat> set aside for it. And all of a sudden, their minds become aware of all of these limitless evil possibilities and shame immediately follows it. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. They'd been around God their whole lives. And here's how they respond. And they hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. Never hidden from God ever. Ever. And all of a sudden, this evil comes in their mind, and immediately they want to disconnect from God. Why? Because we were made to be with him, and evil drives us away. They hid from the Lord in the trees, but the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? And he answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid, and he, the Lord, said, Who told you that you were naked? Where did this concept come from? Adam, have you eaten from the tree that I've commanded you not to eat from? Obviously, that was the case. And in that moment, they step over from death into life, but God does something amazing. Before they had lived in a realm of only good, now they have an awareness They have an awareness of good and evil. Has anything, has any catastrophe happened? No. But what are they doing? They're hiding. The discourse goes on. They're blaming. He says, it was this woman you gave me. She says, oh, it was the serpent. Oh, it was all these different things. The blaming, the throwing under the bus happened in the garden. I didn't know God created a bus. There it was. They're throwing each other under the bus. And there they go, and all of, it is, all of it is there, and all of the junk that we see. And there's not been any of the famines, and the pestilence, and the plague, and the pain, and the hurt, and the, the destruction that we do to each other has not even happened yet. And there it is, automatically, with just an awareness. And now they are living in a place where good and evil are both accessible. But they've stepped over because it says, as soon as you eat from it, you will surely die. Now did they, blink, clink. No, they didn't. But the death process began as our medical <coughs> um, studies go further. We found that uh, with our cells, with our chromosomes, that there's something that happens at the tips the ends of our chromosomes, and as we age, as we get old, as they reproduce and make new ones, they begin to break down at the tips. And science says, if you know what, if we could make it where that doesn't happen, we wouldn't age. We wouldn't age. Our bodies would not eventually break down and die. And this death cycle began. That all of a sudden, something on a DNA level changed and all of a sudden it began and there's something in our DNA that brings death to us it brings life it reproduces it makes ourselves it makes you you it's your DNA but at the very core of you is this part that's disintegrating 
and not allowing this body to, to go on. And that is a beautiful gift. And we're going to see that in a minute. See, God made a way for us to cross over from death to life, and I am running out of time. Um, all right. Quickly, I need to set this up because my grandpa tells this story. He used to be a routesman, run milk route. And one day he came along and there's this dog that had tried to jump this fence, this picket fence. So this dog has jumped this fence. The problem was is the dog had a collar that was tied to a tree. And this dog went over the fence and got hung up and was hanging there by its neck on the other side of the tree got past the fence and was still stuck and he says he can remember just how much his, his heart had broken and there's the dog and it's just gasping for air and he goes and picks this big heavy dog up and flops it back over the fence and, and thankfully he never saw the dog do that again and, and so many times as humanity we begin to look out and we begin to see and think there are these, these little fences of life that are holding us in if we just get past this then we're going to be okay and there's this bigger problem that has been a chain connected to us since we came along which is this issue of being born in a realm of death. And we were born there. And that has to be dealt with first. That chain has to be removed first. Then the rest of the freedoms can come. Genesis 3, 21 through 24, God does something awesome. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and he clothed them. Oh, isn't that so beautiful? He began to take care of it. Even that's not the way we're supposed to be, and he still provides. Golly, he's so good. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil, and he must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Why? Because if it was to live forever in that state, it is forever separated from God. Forever separated from him. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden and took the, to work the ground from which he had been taken. And after he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden a cherubim, which is an angel, and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. All growing up, I thought that that was the big, the big kick out. They got booted from paradise because they were naughty. And that was part of the punishment. It's not punishment. It was his protection. It says we've got to begin to do They've made a decision, but I, we're going to create a way for them to be able to come back. But if they live forever in the area of death, it's done. So he removes that, and now we have this period called mortality where you and I have these numbered years on this planet, and this is the only time you and I have access to both life and death, blessing and cursing. And it is important. Why? Because if we only had access to one, it would be death. As selfish people, we ask the question, man, why do we see any, why do we see bad? But in reality, the question is, why do we see any good? We were stuck in the realm of death. 
but God left the window open. And while the window's open, you're, we're going to experience things that represent hell itself and will turn our stomachs. Why? Because that's the part we were stuck in as we disconnected with God. But we will also see, because God left the window open and made a way, we will see stuff that represents heaven itself, that beckons us and says there's a better way. There's something you were created for more than this. And every time we experience heaven itself, man, all of a sudden our hearts fill up. That's why we love to come to these movie theaters and we love to come and see stories of rescue and heroism and people's lives being turned around we love to watch that why because it represents heaven itself it represents the fact that life can be better and life can change and we'll come and pay money to experience it for two hours if we need to to get away from the trouble and the pain we see on a daily life Let's go ahead and jump to John 5, 24. It says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. During this period of mortality, we have the opportunity to step over. We have the opportunity to recognize that God sent Jesus. That God sent Jesus to be able to take care of all the different things. Where Adam and said, nope, not what you say, but what I say. In a different garden, Jesus says, not what I say, but what you say. That he went <clears throat> forward and he was willing to be able and <clears throat> lay his life out for all of humanity. That, <clears throat> that in, by faith in him and faith in him alone, we're able to step over from death into life humanity stepped over by having no sense knowledge of anything evil and believed a lie and acted on it and stepped over from life into death and because of Jesus you and I have the opportunity that by faith we can believe the truth and step over from death into life it is an amazing, beautiful thing. God's grace is all the way through here. Romans 3.22 says, The righteousness is given through faith in Christ to all who have believed. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by His grace through the redemption of the <clears throat> that came through Jesus Christ. This has been echoed through the ages and was presented to the Israelites in Deuteronomy 30, 19. It says, This day I call heaven and earth as a witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God and listen to His voice and hold fast to Him. What better description about knowing God? For the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land he has sworn to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. See, the truth is, is that in Jesus we can live the way we were created to live. John 16, 33, we come right back to that. It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And in this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome the world. We have trouble, why? Because that's where man's pushing God away put us is in a realm of only trouble but praise God God made a way and he kept his presence here and he didn't allow us to live eternally without him so that we could live eternally with him 
And in this time period, where the most important thing is our eternities, then he left a window, a way open, where both are accessible. Life and blessing and everything that that means, and death and cursing and everything that that means. And the reason we see both is so that we can cross over from death into life. And then once we've crossed over, then we have the hope that yet we continue to see trouble. Why? Because we're still in the place where both exist. That we don't have to be beat up by it because he has overcome the world. The short answer is, why do we see? Why do we see evil? Why do we see pain? Because we live in a fallen world. But the real answer is, is why do we see good? Why do we see all the things that draw us? Because we live in a world where God's made a way to him. And it's only through Jesus. I want us to create a quiet moment right here. I appreciate your extra time this morning. And if you're here this morning, you say, Brandon, man, I just thought 